Welcome to Talking Biotech, the podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in biotechnology, sponsored by Calabra, the R&D software that accelerates scientific discovery with AI. Each week, we'll dive into the latest innovations and discoveries with industry leaders and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Fulta. I want to see science serve a useful purpose to improve the standard of living for all people. Why is anyone fighting food advance? A very small percentage of the world's population is fortunate enough to have the luxury of turning down food. We've arranged a society based on science and technology. There was nobody understands anything about science and technology. You can't build a peaceful world on empty stomachs and human misery. You're listening to Talking Biotech, the weekly podcast illuminating issues in agriculture and medical biotechnology. Your questions and concerns are answered using a science-based approach with the goal of driving innovation to application with communication. Now here's your host, Dr. Paul Vincelli. Welcome to the Talking Biotech Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss contemporary issues in science and technology with a focus on biotechnology and new innovations that can help people and the planet. I'm Paul Vincelli, sitting in for Dr. Kevin Falta, and today we'll be talking about de novo domestication of wild species. And if you don't know what that means, I didn't know what it meant the first time I heard it, but uh, hang with us. You're going to find out. So uh, so our guest today is Dr. Lázaro Pérez. He is a plant physiologist from the University of São Paulo in Brazil. And uh, Lázaro, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you, Paul. It's, uh, it's my pleasure to, to make this interview. Well, uh, the novel domestication, as you said, it's, it's a quite new term that we, we coined it. Uh, it, it's, it's about uh, related to domestication that is uh, a topic of a broad interest. So uh, it's, uh, it's related to the plants and the, the, and the animals that we, we use to see and to interact every day. So when we, we see these animals and plants, uh, we should have in mind that they, they were domesticated a hundred or, or, or even thousand years ago. And people don't use to to try to domesticate them again. That's that's why this this topic is is, is quite funny because it's we, what what we we are meaning is that we we want to try to do the, this again, but we we are not uh, having in mind that we we will t- take a, a a long time again. So I, I so 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 the idea here is to is to uh, actually to domesticate species that we don't already consume is that is that a, is yes, a good yes, way to describe yes uh i i should say first that uh, uh we 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 already um are using many wide species uh but we what we used to do is to try to to find uh the genes behind the 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 traits of interest in these wide species and try to put them into a, mm-hmm. a cultivate plant that, let's say uh, if we've uh we, we have in mind plant that is my my subject area. 
And uh, it, this is a very good approach. Uh, we have uh, breeders are using this for a long time. And uh, although we, we, we are not aware about the, the, the plants that we eat uh, 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 in, in this day, uh, many of them have traits that came from white species. And, uh, but uh, one problem behind this approach is that uh, in some cases, especially in when we are talking about uh, stress resistance, uh, the traits that we, we, we find in the white species, they are not monogenic. That means uh, we, can, uh, we can't uh, manipulate this, this trait uh, as a, a single genes that we can transfer by crosses uh, to a, a, a related cultivate plant or even to transfer to an, an to an unrelated plant by by genetic transformation because the trait is controlled by many genes so you can't manipulate mm -hmm. ma many genes at, at the time so, and that and that's true for conventional breeding as well as genetic engineering yeah, is what you're in saying in both cases yeah. it, it's it, this will be very difficult and uh, one interesting thing is that uh, okay okay and and so and and so let me just uh, make sure to repeat and and make sure we're uh, our audience is understanding so let's take the case i think you've used the case of salt tolerance for example um the genes for salt tolerance in a wild species are rather complex and so transferring that into cultivated tomato is is quite difficult and and it, that's is that a fair summary yeah this this is, is a very good example uh there, there are salt resistant the other kind of species but uh, this trait is is very important in tomato one thing that makes this so interesting is that uh, when you, you, you think about tomato, it is a, a, a species from the genus Solanus. Uh, it has a different uh, wide species that are related uh, to tomato. It, one of them is Solano galapagensis that is endemic to the Galapagos Island. It was collected mm -hmm. for, the for, uh, for the first time by Charles Darwin. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and then and uh, what, one thing that is, is behind this species is, is that it evolves in the seashore of, of some island of Galapagos. So this, this species has a, a lot of salt uh, resistance. But uh, uh, there, uh, we, we know now that uh, 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 th this kind of resistance may be polygenic because we, we have tried to transfer this to cultivate tomato. And you can't get uh, uh, Mendelian segregation for the trait. This is typical for, mm -hmm. for something that is polygenic. Okay, so polygenic for, for our, our listeners is many genes, and uh, which makes it complex to transfer or, or next to impossible. And, uh, and when you refer to Mendelian uh, segregation, you're basically, uh, Lassero is referring to the uh, relative ease of moving a genetic trait because it moves as a single gene yes, in a predictable yes, fashion. Perfect. Yes. And uh, it, in talk about um, uh, Mendelian genes, it's uh, in the, in the, in the other hand is, is quite interesting uh, that uh, now we, we know that many genes that, that w uh, were selected during domestication behave as monogenic genes. That means that they, they are, they are uh, controlled by, uh, by genes uh, of major effect. Uh, a good example using tomato, that is the, the species that we use as a model, is fruit size. So in the, in the case of fruit size, although 
you can you can link uh, many loci that is loci uh, 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 a different region of the of the genome that are related to a trait. Uh, but in in the case of of of, of tomato, we know that it took it it, it takes uh, three or or, or 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 two genes to to improve the size of a, a fruit. Uh, or to to double the size of the fruit, or to to improve it a hundred percent. So two or three genes. Two, two or three genes. So, so this, this is okay. quite exciting because uh, we can uh, we can put uh, this these two uh, uh, traits uh, in a in a comparison. So you you want the 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 stress resistant that is polygenic. And uh, in the other side, you have the domesticate genes that are monogenic. So this uh, gave us the idea that uh, we can do the reverse. Uh, uh, the so I will, I will say this again. <laughs> so uh, uh, taking into account the, the the genes that that are behind the domesticate trait are monogenic. Uh, the idea of the uh, de novo domestication is to try to reproduce the, the same genes and the same mutations in the white species. So, in the case of the the, the fruit size, for example, uh, that that species, the Solano galapagensis, that is salt resistant, uh, it has a, a a fruit that is already edible, but it's a very small uh, fruit. So even if you, you have in mind a, a, a cherry or a grape-sized uh, fruit that now is very common in tomato, especially in the gourmet tomato, the, f the size of the fruit of Solano galapagensis is a, it's a pea-sized fruit. So it's, it's, it's not, it's, 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 it's not a, 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 of a commercial value. So it's uh it's uh, it's manipulating uh this this two or three genes in the in the genome of Solano galapagensis. You, you can improve the size of the fruit that is already edible. So it's a it's a very good approach, and it, and uh, it's also important because using this you can maintain the polygenic genes that in the in the genome of Solano galapagensis. Yeah. So, so I found this t concept actually really interesting. And that's why I, I'm so glad that you've been patient with me in, 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 in the difficulties we've had in getting a good quality audio. Um, but, uh, so it, for the listeners, what, what Lacero is doing is turning breeding in a way sort of on its head in, in instead of, moving the complex genetics of salt tolerance into cultivated tomato you're doing you're attempting the reverse which is to move or edit certain um, domestication genes that occur in in the domesticated tomato editing the the genes in in the in the wild species for fruit size which are which is simpler to do than to to move the genetics of salt tolerance that's correct yes. That is just really astounding. So how does, um, I mean, it seems like a great idea, you know, to try doing this and seems to make sense. Um, how does the, the Solanum gallopagensi taste? It's got a very small fruit, size of a pea, but how does it taste? Yeah, this is, is a very good question because uh, uh, there are people that have the concern that the, the, the fruit is a little bit uh, bitter. 
Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and also, it's not a, a red fruit that uh, the people that, that used to eat tomato is very bound to the red fruit of tomato. It's, it's symbolic that you, you have a red fruit. And the, and the fruit of Solano Galapagensis, it's, it's, it's uh, actually the, the, the color of the fruit is orange. But this is quite interesting. Uh, it's quite easy to manipulate because in 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 both cases, what we have, it's a loss of function mutation. In the case of uh, of tomato, uh, the, the, uh, as many people already know, the, the the red color of tomato is related to lycopene, that is a red uh, carotenoid, and the mm-hmm. and the orange color of the fruit of Solano Galapagensis is related to beta carotene, that is also good for okay. your health, but. Uh, and which is which is in carrot the orange color of carrot yeah 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 this is the same uh, that you the same carotenoid that we have in carrot and uh, what caused this is that it's just because the enzyme it's a it's a it's also monogenic it's a single genes that codes for an, an enzyme that transform lycopene into beta carotene so a way to make uh, a solano galapagensis uh, a, a red fruit in solano galapagensis is just to to create a mutation in that in the gene that that convert the lycopene into beta carotene, so you have the this the same color of conventional tomato. This is, is a very good example. Although for some people to have a uh, uh, orange 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 fruit with uh, uh, beta carotene will be also good for your health. And uh, yeah, yeah, this, this is also related to. To uh, to uh, 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 gourmet tomato, they 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 like to sell them in different colors. So th- this may be good. We we can create different lines, uh, red and 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 orange orange one. But uh, the the most important modification uh, is in the genes that uh, cause the the enlargement of the fruit. And in this case, it's very important to say that. Uh, the, 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 the major genes that wo- were domesticated uh, or were selected during dome- tomato domesticating are also related to loss of function. This is a kind of, of, uh, of modification that is easier to, to reproduce in a white species. And uh, I, I must say too that uh, now we have more technology to do this that is geno- genome editing. And uh, for example, using CRISPR-Cas uh, uh, technology, we, we can uh, make uh, uh, transgen- initially transgenic plants uh, for uh, using uh, guide uh, RNA to target the genes that that uh, we we want to to knock out to to improve the size of the fruit into Solano Galapagensis. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, so these, there are a couple points I want to follow up on with you and, uh, really, really well described in the review paper that you've published. Um, one, one before the break, I want to, uh, I want to just revisit just to make sure our listeners understand because I think sometimes, uh, trying to picture things without, without images and graphics and all that is, um, you know, it's challenging for me, but, um, but, but, uh, the, the, the orange color in, and so th- this is a really good example. The orange color in Solanum galapagensi is due to the transformation of, of lycopene into beta carotene. And so what, and this is just what you said, but I'm just repeating. So what, uh, what has happened in nature with a cultivated tomato is that a mutation occurred so that the lycopene accumulates 
and beta carotene is not formed. And, and your, your concept here with, with, uh, domesticating selenium gallopagensi is to create a mutation that accomplishes the same thing, but to do it in um, selenium gallopagensi modeled after what you found in the cultivated tomato. Have I, have I described it properly? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite correct. Uh, uh, technically, uh, what occurs in tomato is not really a mutation. It's, 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 it's a far more complex. That, so uh, the, the, the enzyme, uh, the, the, the name of the enzyme is lycopenobetacyclase uh, uh, of tomato. It, it has some activity, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it has a control during fruit ripening that lower, uh, that put it, the, the expression down, and that's why okay. uh, it's not accumulating uh, beta carotene. Uh, oh, beta okay. carotene. But uh, it, although we, you are, we, are, we, 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 we are not doing the, the same kind of complex modification in the, in, for example, in the promoter region of the gene of Solano Galapagans. We can do this easily, just uh, creating a, a more, a more uh, 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 simple mutation that is a knockout. That means we, we okay. will destroy the, 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 the whole expression of the gene. And this is, is, gotcha. is something that is, that is, 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 is it's it's not uh, a problem for tomato because this gene in the special is designed to to express only in the fruit, so it's 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 okay for the plant. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so what what nature has taught you through the domestication process is that there's this particular enzyme that we can uh, that 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 is downregulated. Yeah. That results in the lycopene lycopene accumulation and so you don't have to you don't have to edit uh selenium gallopagensi with the same editing as what you say with the same change just some change in of in some way that that causes a loss of function in that enzyme and and you end up accumulating lycopene is yes yes i think that's that's correct yes good good in the case of the the, the, the genes that enlarge the, the size of the fruit, it's quite the same because uh, in, in the case of one of the major genes that is fruit weight 2-2 that was cloned by, by Stevie Tansky uh, many years ago, uh, it's a complex mutation that occurs during tomato domestication. But we can create mm-hmm. the same phenotype just doing a, a kind of a knockout mutation in, in Solano Galapagensis. Beautiful. Yeah, well explained. Well, I'm understanding it better and better every time I talk to you, so Good. thanks for that. And uh, so with that, we'll take a short break. We're talking to Dr. Lázaro Pérez, from, a plant physiologist from the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about, uh, about uh, de novo domestication of wild species. And we really appreciate you listeners, and thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Kevin Fulta. And this is Paul Vincelli. And we're here talking about the next generation of potential opportunities with the Talking Biotech podcast. And we have a very special invitation for you. (laughs) Okay, so here's the deal. What we're looking for is to expand the opportunities of using this vehicle to expose more people to the opportunities within science communication. How do you build your brand 
by potentially hosting a Talking Biotech episode. Hosting a Talking Biotech episode accomplishes many things for me. One is I learn more about a topic that I'm interested in. And uh, two is I develop some skills on science communication and do it in a way that's really quite friendly and interactive. So how you do it is really simple. All you need to do is identify someone you would like to talk to, learn something about what they do, make the interview time to talk to them and have the conversation. It's really simple. You do that, send us the audio files, and I'll take care of the rest. And uh, I'll offer myself to mentor somebody who wants to, uh, you know, stick their toe in the water and try it out. Yeah. And in the days of standing up for science, there's no better way for you to stand up for the science you enjoy and that you would like to communicate to others than to share those important stories. And use this platform to talk about what you're interested in. So think about it. It's a uh, wonderful opportunity, and we're excited to extend it to you. And now back to the Talking Biotech Podcast. And we're back on the Talking Biotech Podcast with Dr. Lázaro Pérez, a uh, Brazilian uh, plant physiologist who works at the um, at the University of Sao Paulo. And, um, you know, I didn't uh, say in the beginning, uh, Lázaro, we had a couple meals together in Montevideo, uh, Uruguay, while we were both down there and had some wonderful food and some wonderful uh, conversations. Uh, it was a real pleasure to get to know you and... Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that you could join us. Uh, it's a, it's so. my pleasure, uh, Paul. So yeah, so, yeah. So so I let me let me come back here and and just hit on a couple points um, that that I gathered from your paper, and I want to make sure our our uh, listeners understand. W- one thing is um, with with this concept of de novo domestication, you're actually not transferring genes from tomato, a cultivated tomato into Solanum galopagensis, galopagense, you are uh, simply using uh, what you learn from cultivated tomato to make genome edits to Solanum galopagensis. So you're not really adding any genetics at all. Is that is that a correct statement? Yeah, this is a very, very important point because uh, we are not actually, as you said, transferred genes from cultivated tomato into Solanum galopagensis, but since uh, Solano galopagensis is a species very related to tomato, uh, what we have is uh, in Solano galopagensis genome, we have uh, actually the same genes that tomato has, uh, mm-hmm. but the difference is what we call allele, allelic difference. So uh, in the case of the, uh, t- take into account that, that, that example of the enzyme of uh, uh, lycopenobeta cyclase, uh, they, they both have the genes that code for the enzyme, but they have different alleles. So we will use the, the knowledge to, to manipulate the allele in Solano Galapagans to make, make it uh, more similar to the, to, to the allele that we have in tomato. And uh, the, the, the way to, to do this, uh, it, it involves uh, to make a transgenic Solano Galapagans, and, and this is interesting because we, we have the technology to, genet, to, to do genetic transformation of this species and, and many other species. This is, a, in, in the case of plant, uh, the, the technology for genetic transformation is, is mandatory for, for uh, genome editing. And uh, this is the kind of manipulation that we are doing. So we need to transform uh, Solano galapagense with uh, 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 
uh, a tDNA delivered from agrobacterium, and in this tDNA we will put the the enzyme that that uh, do the, the 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 genome editing that is the the Cas9, and uh, and we we put together with this the, the gene for this enzyme. Uh, some information, a kind of information that we call uh, guide RNA that will target the genes that we want to manipulate it. So we will put the the the, the guide uh, uh, RNA for for the the genes that improve the the size of the fruit and also the the genes that uh, that change the color. And it's also important to say that uh, Solano galapagensis, as many other species, is not only uh, related to salt resistance, but since they evolve in different environments, there are many other very interesting traits that we don't have in cultivated tomato that we can get from these species, and most of them sure. are also polygenic. So, yeah, and we've we've we, let's put those aside for just a minute because I know there's some traits that mm -hmm. that are important and polygenic, as you say. But uh, I wanted to uh, to uh, once again affirm that um, you're not really ultimately you're not really adding genetics to the tomato uh, to the wild species of tomato, but you're simply editing the genome uh, to. Yeah, so that's really important. And the the other thing that um, I wanted to highlight when I read the paper, I, I, I tweeted this actually because I thought it was so important. Your your paper describes how many genes for domestication in 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 various crops, not just tomato, are are major genes, which means their their inherit inheritance is simple, yeah. and um, that their uh, that their loss of function genes. And if it's a loss of function gene. Uh, as you clearly point out in the paper, you can one can um, disrupt the function of that gene, uh, and, and 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 take steps towards de novo domestication with numerous uh, by focusing on numerous um, genes because it's simply a matter of creating a loss of function, which could be a uh, you're not again you're not adding new genetics, you're not adding a new feature, you're simply shutting down something that is going on in the plant that in, in a way to create the, the a, a more domesticated species do you do you think that describes the situation yeah this is this is the kind of manipulation that we can do now uh, uh, uh easily but uh, i think that in the future uh the the technique of of crispr for example is evolving and and uh, and in the future we will be able to manipulate uh, uh and also to create a gain of function or uh, that is in, in most cases this means that you you should uh, do genome editing uh, in the in the promoter region of the gene specific uh, 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 manipulation, and we, we can do this. and And this is uh, I think that we address in that paper when in a second part of the paper, where we talk about uh, using genome editing to 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 create a, a, a ideal type for a crop. So we we discuss many physiological. Uh, uh, a process that improves productivity. Uh, now mm -hmm. that we, we discovered cloning the genes behind them, and this genes, the, most of the genes now uh, we, we can manipulate. But unfortunately, some of them involves complex uh, modification that we cannot as assess now by genome editing. But uh, I'm sure that in the future this will be possible. Yes. So yeah, okay. So gain of function down the, is is coming through gain of function traits through CRISPR Cas nine is coming. Yeah, or more is what specific you're saying, manipulation. Yes. 
specific manipulation. Okay, great. So um, you, you have worked with numerous aspects of these wild tomatoes and the and the complex traits that they, but but important traits. Uh, that they possess. Uh, you've mentioned stress tolerance in our conversations, insect resistance. What give us give us more about that? Tell us what uh, you know. Yeah, well, help the we listeners are, we understand. We are very in, interested in insect resistance because uh, in tomato and and is this is also the case of other species. Uh, insect resistance it, it it's related to to a kind of structure that we call trichomes. That is. Uh, the, the, in, in the case of tomato, they are like organs that that grows in the superficies of leaves, and uh, uh, that this is a good way to put base and applied results together. Because, uh, for example, Solano galapagensis is very insect resistant, and this is because uh, Solano galapagensis has a kind of trichome that we call type four trichome that is able to produce uh, a kind of uh, of comp- compound that is it's a natural insecticide that is acyl sugar so it's uh, the, uh, the, there are many breeders that want to put this compound in tomato in cultivated tomato but we know that it's, it's it's polygenic in nature because it's depend on the the genes that build the the correct type of trichome and the genes that build the correct type of mm-hmm. of, of compound so doing uh, uh, the novel domestication is a way to to, to transform a plant that is uh, resistant to, to, to salt and also very insect resistant uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, in, in the cultivation uh, uh, way. That is, the, the only thing that we have to do is to, to make the, the fruit bigger. And you, you, you asked me uh, uh-huh. about the taste of the fruit. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there are something interesting uh, behind the fruit of tomato that is uh, all tomato uh, or, or, or including the white species they, they use to accumulate instead of, of, of a carotenoid tomato does accumulate flavonoid and flavonoid is, is something that is very healthy for you but it, sometimes it, it has a, a bitter taste that's why many mm-hmm. many teas that we, we use to drink that is is rich in flavonoid have this this state that especially those those that are very good medicines so they are bitter and they are good for you but uh, mm-hmm. we, we you are not able to perceive this in in the cultivated tomato because in the large fruit uh, this this effect of this skin because the flavonoid is only in the skin you are not able to the, 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 there is a kind of dilution in this in the large fruit of the flavonoid. Oh, but sure. in the case in the case of the, the small fruit, uh, you can taste this. So uh, a good way to 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 skip this 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 bitter taste is just to enlarge the fruit. That is the the actually the target mm. of the domestication. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, this is all all very interesting to me. And and you know, as you were talking about insect resistance oh, yeah. and these these trichomes, these glands, these these leaf hairs, you know, if 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 for listeners who've ever seen an electron micrograph of a of a leaf hair, um you know how complex it can be. And um so you've got the complexity of the leaf hair and the genetics that are that are that that create that leaf hair and you've got the genetics that create the the, the chemistry that is inhibitory to insects and all that complexity, it's hard to imagine actually moving those genes into cultivated tomato 
it it seems to be you know se- so sensible to to go the other way yeah, yeah. As, as you've been describing yeah. it. Yeah, know. but uh, in, in the in the case of Tricom, I should say that we we do have the interest to to move it, it then or, or at least part of the genes that are behind the Tricom development from the white species. Mm-hmm. To the tomato, but in this case, is is for a base research that in the future we will have a, 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 a that will be applied even to other species. Because in the case of trichome, uh, 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 I think that I already said that there are many other species that produce very important compounds in in trichome, and uh, we can okay. use tomato as a model to to understand how to build a, a glandular trichome that the, the glandular oh. the the, the, tri- the kind of trichome that produce compound, and we can apply this to many other crops that are, are actually okay. producing uh, very important compounds in in their glandular trichome. So okay. part of the sure. the work in our lab is is using this white species and try to to find monogenic traits uh, uh, that determine the trichome development. And this, and I should mention that tomatoes is, is a very special model for this because it's a plant with a small genome. It's uh, genetically manipulated very easily. And it's like Arabidopsis, but with the difference that we, we, we don't have a, a glandular trichomes in Arabidopsis. So in the case of, for those people that are interested in trichome development, Tomato is a very good choice. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so de novo domestication makes sense with respect to practical uh, insect resistance. Uh, but there's also what you're describing is that you're you're also going to uh, try to move genes for trichome or leaf hair development into cultivated tomato as a model system. For research purposes and and maybe for application in in both tomato and other crops. Yes, that's, this is this is yeah. important, and, and I think that the, the best way to do this in, uh, is to when you 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 iso- you, you can use tomato to isolate the genes, and then you could you you you, you can uh, try to find the the homologous genes in other species, uh, because we, we think that the, the, this. Uh, a very basic structure that can be conserved. The, the, the genes that that been recruited to, to make trichomes in tomatoes mm. may be conserved in other species, and this will be very good. For example, I'll, I'll give you yeah. the example of Artemisia that is producing uh, a drug that is is important for for malaria. That is a, a treat in Africa and then also in in many places in in, in South America, uh, 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 including Brazil. And uh, we, we, uh, Artemisia is, is not a, a very good genetic model, but we, 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 uh, the, the kind of, of substance that is produced uh, in the, the glandular trichomes of Artemisia, it's, uh, it, it follows a genetic pathway very similar to the one that we, we have in tomato, that is so the, the, uh, the Artemisin, it's a sesquiterpene. And sesquiterpene is also a, a kind of compound that some white species of toma- tomato use uh, as a natural insecticide. So this is very interesting uh, mm. thing mm. To, 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 to have in mind. It, you know, this is a stray question, Lacero, but is there, uh, is, is it, can, can you rule out or is it possible that um, 
trichomes have been lost in cultivated tomato because of the accumulated a loss of function mutations, just like you've seen in other genes? Yeah, this is a very, it's a very interesting question. Uh, uh, what, what, what we discovered uh, in, uh, recently is that, for example, in the case of the, the kind of trichome that, that, uh, that I mentioned, the, the type 4 trichome from Solano Galapagense, uh, people used to say that uh, this trichome is absent in tomato leaves, but we discovered that uh, this is only uh, true for uh, adult leaves. For, for if, you, if you take a, a tomato seedling, you see this type 4 trichomes in the cotyledons and also in the first pair of, pair of uh, juvenile leaves. And uh, the, well, the, the interpretation for this is that during uh, tomato uh, uh, domestication or even the, the opposite during the, the evolution of the white species, there, there occurred some mutation that keep this kind of juvenile, juvenility during the life cycle of the white species. And this may be the, the, what causes the, the, the presence of type 4 trichome in adult leaves of the white species and not in tomato. So it's, it may be related to the domestication of tomato. In this case, the kind of mutation is something uh, opposite to juvenility, or it may, be, may, it may, may occur it in, in the white species. In this case, the, the kind of mutation is something that is promoted juvenility. And this kind of mutation we call neoteny. Neoteny is a very interesting uh, process that people uh, uh, that study uh, 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 development in animals and plants are very interested. Hmm. Yeah, well, this is all uh, just fascinating. I do hope we get a chance to interact face to face again. Yeah. Um, before we, we before we end, is there anything else you'd like listeners to know about your research or about where it's going, what you've learned, anything? Well, uh, one thing that uh, I think that is, is, is quite important is that uh, uh, we are using tomato as a model because now is the, the best uh, uh, plant that uh, we can use to prove the concept of, of the novo domestication. But I think that uh, this can be extended to other crops in the future. And one thing important behind this is that this is also good for what we call food security because... Uh, people used to to say that uh, one very uh, 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 dangerous thing is that uh, nowadays uh, our our, uh, our uh, the, the number of the plants that we use for food are very uh, narrow. So the novel domestication it's a it's a, a way mm. to expand the, the to, to expand the number of of species that we can we can use in the future. Uh, yeah. as food and this is a way to, to have more food security because maybe the plants that we, we have now as cultivate plants are, are not the ones that will, will be very adapted to, to, the, to the new environment that climate change will create. What a great point. Really very, very good point. I hadn't thought about it in, in that way in terms of expanding um, you know, the, just the food security by, by, yeah, by creating more buffered Food systems yes. that rely yes. on greater numbers of crops. That's a great point. You know, and, and also your Selenum Galapagensi example really was a case study, I think what you're saying. So it's useful and it's important, but the concepts that you're, that you're applying and learning are going to be of, of, of utility 
to other crops and other wild species that could be made into crops. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. And there, are, there yeah. are, uh, in that in that paper, we put some example of uh, wild species that are related to very important crops. So it's not only in tomatoes. You did. Yeah. You did. Yeah. There's a table. Yeah, table yeah. one, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Very good. Yeah. And I, I think that one one yeah. last point is that uh, as you. you as you notice, uh, uh, the, the, this kind of approach it involves uh, both uh, uh, molecular breeding and also genetic transformation, but also a conventional breeding. Because what we are doing is to 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 do what what, what the, the the breeding uh, used to do that is to to do crosses on something like this, and and we we like to put this both thing together. So what we have for the future is to combine both techniques. Uh, 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 it's uh, using uh, in the case uh, when you have uh, uh, white species that are related to cultivate plant, you can do this by using crosses. But when you have uh, species that are not related to the cultivate plant, you you can do this by genetic transformation, and and this is is very good approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That very good point, Lasado. Uh, so really, th- this is your program is not limited to genome editing. It's really a marriage yes. of genome editing with conventional breeding, and and uh, so many uh, good plant scientists recognize the value of really programs that incorporate both. Yeah, yeah. Lasado, it's been a pleasure to talk to oh. you once again. We had such great times, and I hope to see you again uh, down south or up here in. Uh, in uh, maybe in Kentucky, uh, given a seminar. So thank you for your time, Lázaro. Lázaro Pérez from uh, the University of Sao Paulo. My pleasure. And uh, thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Talking Biotech. Write a review on iTunes and tell a friend to listen as your support allows us to deliver more about exciting science to more people. I'm Paul Vincelli, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. Please send your suggestions for guests, comments, or questions to talkingbiotech at gmail.com. Please write a review on iTunes and recommend this podcast to a friend. More downloads and reviews raise the visibility of this podcast and help us reach a wider audience with science. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Calabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Calabra's electronic lab notebook, scientists can work together in real time, sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at calabra.app, C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P. 